Blog Talk Radio. Carol the Coach. Sex, love, and relationships. We talk about it here. Carol the Coach. Compassion with contemporary relevance. I am a psychotherapist. I can be your personal life coach and I can help you with your issues. There are no problems too small or too big. You can talk about anything. Speaker, columnist, radio TV host, and commentator. Carol the Coach brings messages of wellness and empowerment within reach of everyday people every day. Almost five years ago, I lost my soulmate in an accident. He was killed in a plane crash. Life just for me has seemed to stop. There are groups all over the city. I mean, I teach one. It is a specific way to start thinking so that you shift how you see the world, which then shifts your energy, and then you feel better and you actually see things differently. Carol the Coach, always available to at carolthecoach.com. Now, I've got Russell on the line. I'm 47 years old. I'm a truck driver. I am married. I have a wife in San Francisco. Okay. I haven't been home in six months. My thing is, I, I don't know if I have a sex addiction or what the problem is. Why do I want what I can't have? And as soon as I can have it, I don't want it anymore. You're right on target when you say, I don't know if I have a sexual addiction. Well, guess what? Yes, you do. And you know what? That's my specialty, Russell. So you're at the right place. Continue. I meet women online and, and I'm in a different part of the country. I, I travel all 48 states, so I love sex. I hear self-esteem issues. You never felt good enough and you didn't feel like you were getting what you should have then and you're re- Reenacting that now. Do you want to change that about yourself? I got an interesting email this week, and it was about a person that just did not know where they could really go for help for sex addiction. Now, I know one would think anybody would be able to figure that out. But the truth of the matter is this person didn't know who to trust or who to believe. He said, I've listened to your podcast as well as others, and you're the first person who got back to me by email. And he said that he wasn't sure what was hype and what wasn't. He said he had even read that sex addiction was not a disorder, a condition. So the truth of the matter is, addiction is not a diagnosis according to our diagnostic manual or the World Health Organization, but, but there is a diagnosis for this kind of sexual compulsivity, and it is, has been identified by the World Health Organization. You may have heard of them. They're the experts on the pandemic, on COVID, on coronavirus. And what they say is that problematic sexual behavior is an actual disorder because it's uncontrollable. It interferes with functioning, both interpersonally, families. And actually, there are a variety of criteria that one has to meet to have this condition. You know, is there time distortion? Has there been attempts to stop? Has it interfered with a sense of self? Is it 
impede in someone's values. These are all criteria that make up impulsive sexual problematic behavior. So, say to you is yes, this is a condition, and what you need to do is pursue different residential treatment centers, pursue different clients, um, I'm sorry, different uh, wonderful, wonderful professionals. You can either go to ITAP um, through sexhealth.com and find CSAT, your certified sexual addictions therapist, who can help you, or you can go to APSATS, that's A-P-S-A-T-S dot org, and find professionals that are either CSATs and partner-sensitive therapists, or if you're somebody who's single, you know, go to SASH, which is the Society for the Advancement of Sexual Health. Three great organizations that can get you where you need to go that have incredibly determined and dedicated professionals that, that want to get you to the right place, they want to get you the right help, and they want you to understand this isn't a moral failure. This is a brain science problem, and it is about the brain, and we have to, we have to turn down that reward center. We've got to help you find connection. We've got to make it work. And that's what this show is all about. It's about helping you to figure out what is it that you need to do to make things better, right? I'm Carol Jurgensen, Chief, a.k.a. Carol the Coach, and I'm all about making things better. I have the most incredible experts that come on the show and talk about what they're doing every Monday. And then I have another partner-sensitive radio show where we help partners and their spouses, or, you know, if the addict is a female, we help she and her spouse to get healthy. Two very different shows, but not really. You know, it's all about addressing what needs to happen and figuring out how to provide the best services ever. Um, and, and that is what we do. That's why this podcast is so important, certainly to me, and I hope to you. Now, let's see here. You know, after you create a book, after you birth the baby of a book, you want people to know about it, and it's actually being released this week. Now, you may have heard me say it was released before, and it actually was, but it wasn't supposed to be. No, I didn't know that. I found out about it a couple weeks ago, and, and so I let everybody know about Unleashing Your Power, Moving Beyond Partner Betrayal, and I'll be doggone if my clients and colleagues got it for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden they're like, oh, we have to pre-order it. When's it really coming out? And I'm like, oh, no, it's out. People have gotten it. They've already read it. It's, I'm getting great reviews. 
And then I talked to my publisher, and it was a mistake. It wasn't supposed to have been out. So they pulled it. You know, I don't understand why your publisher would pull a doggone book when it's already out, but they pulled it. They wanted to publicize it in a certain way. That's what they're telling me, at least. And um, it comes out the 28th, which is Thursday, so I'm super excited. If you're an addict and you have a loved one who has felt betrayed by your sexual acting out, get him or her this book. Unleashing Your Power, Moving Beyond Partner Betrayal. Got some great exercises in it. Moves people through the three phases, partner betrayal. And I thought I'd tell you, I'm writing a couple's book, and a lot of what's in this will be in that for couples. Because you know I'm all about the fact that as an addict in good recovery, you can help your partner heal, right? That's why I wrote Help Her Heal. And what I know to be true is that couples don't have enough good information on how to get through partner betrayal, sexual betrayal, multiple infidelities. And as a result... I really want to help you get past that unfortunate situation. And, and I want to help you to trust each other again. You know, I've been doing this now for 14 years. And I feel like when I first started out, there wasn't any kind of couple's help. And you know me. I am definitely a couples therapist. I really want to help couples heal if that's what they want to do. If they don't, I want to help them get out of the relationship with integrity. Because truly, it's all about integrity. And that means you have to be open and honest, authentic, transparent, and of course, very humble. And so I want to ask you, Is there an area in your life, whether you be a partner or an addict, is there an area in your life where you're not practicing good integrity? You know, I've talked to many a partner who said, oh, I know I lied to him because I knew I could catch him. And I knew if I lied, he'd admit it, and then I'd know. And I always say, that's no reason, no reason to lie. And this whole thing is a process. And I've got to tell you, there are these three phases. You know them, safety and stabilization, reading and mourning what is and what was, and then post-traumatic growth. And tonight, I am so excited to be interviewing Sarah Schulting-Prince, who has written this incredible book on forgiveness. It's called Walk Through This and Travel the Road to Forgiveness. It is amazing. You know, she is my outbound girl. (laughs) She is somebody who does a lot of um, excursions out in nature with people, time to get away from everything that is 
and focus on themselves and the spirituality that's in nature. And she really did. She's got an incredible story. And she talks about how she found forgiveness. And what she says was kind of an unforgivable forgivable situation. Um, and so we're going to talk to her to find out how did she do it. And she's just amazing. She has been... Wow, she has a TED Talk that is absolutely killer. Um, I've known her for probably four or five years and love her energy, love her story. And I'm just amazed that as a coach, she has taken her life experience and turned it around and made it work for her and the many people that she involved in this destination. She is incredible. And you can see her TED Talk, and we're going to talk about how you can see that, let alone she's doing a documentary right now on partner betrayal and forgiveness and all sorts of things. You know, I had um, a client that I wanted so badly to do her documentary She had been through so much, and she had been with somebody who was idolized by the world. Um, He actually died of COVID, so she didn't feel like she could do the story. But truly, the story was meant to show people the different sides of somebody who has been ravaged by sexual addiction because they're not all bad by any stretch of the imagination. As a matter of fact, there is so much uh, good in, in a man or a woman who has sexual addiction. But, as one can imagine, you've got to be able to hold somebody's feet to the fire and have them walk their talk. And if they can't do that, then you don't have much of a chance of reconciling and forgiving and working through things. Now, I just said that, and that's if the two of you want to be together, but certainly if you aren't going to be together, you get to make that conscious choice. And so if you're listening to this show and there's somebody you want to forgive in your life, I guarantee you the principles are going to help you to do that whether it's your mother or your father, your sister, your brother, your neighbor, your coworker, your boss, the pastor. There are lots of reasons to forgive. And forgiveness is about releasing yourself from the bondage. And I have the most incredible quote. Oprah was actually interviewing somebody on forgiveness. And She said it was the most um, meaningful quote she had ever heard. And that quote was, forgiveness is keeping up the hope. Oh, I'm sorry. I said that wrong. I'm going to start it over. So it is when when you can't forgive because you're keeping up the hope that your past could ever have been different. 
And the truth of the matter is, I know Sarah and I both believe this, that we have to look at our life and say, okay, I don't like what happened. I didn't want to be part of this club. This is not healthy. This is about trauma, whether an addict or a partner. But when you can say, how have I grown stronger? And what has this taught me? You have taken yourself out of that victim role and you've empowered yourself. And that is everything that, that Sarah's about. Uh, and she does, she just does an incredible job of helping people work through that. And again, she does it through nature. And so I really want to welcome Sarah to the show. She's been on before, and I can't wait to talk about her road to forgiveness. So, Sarah, thank you for coming on Sex Health with Carol the Coach. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, I've been on before, and I've loved it. So thank you. Thank you for having me on again. Well, you have come so far. I mean, I remember when I first met you, you had all these ideas and dreams and your energy was so powerful and positive, and you were taking men and women on all sorts of journeys into the wilderness to let them get to know themselves better and to deal with whatever issues or trauma that they were facing. And yet you hadn't started your TED Talks. You hadn't written your book. You hadn't, um, you hadn't started the documentary. And look at you now, and it's been Gosh, less than five years, right? Yeah, so my discovery was seven years ago, Thanksgiving Eve 2013. Um, and, yes, I started this about five years ago is when I decided I was going to deep dive into helping others uh, through my own learning and my trauma recovery. And here we are. But I'll tell you, the interesting thing about it, the path that took me there once I really dove into how did I do all of this was the path of forgiveness. And you didn't know that ahead of time. I mean, you figured no, that out as you were going through your own journey. <laughs> right. Right. It's very true. I didn't know it. Not until I was, believe it or not, it was um, when I was putting together my TED Talk And Mm -hmm. the woman who was in charge of my TED Talk, the producer, um, asked me about how I've overcome so much in my life. And I was telling her, well, you know, nature therapy, all of these things. And and she said, no, no, no. Like, how have you really gotten to that place where you're ultimately happy? And then we just started unfolding and pulling back the layers of what's gotten me to where I am and... I said, you know, I've learned to forgive. And that is how my, that's how my TED Talk came into play. Because I really didn't even have a topic when I was asked to do a TED Talk. And so once we looked at the definition of forgiveness and really started diving into how forgiveness has helped heal me, um, it's been a, a huge tool in my life. It, that's how all of this truly came to be was, oh, okay, I see. That was, that was the overall link that has taken me through everything. I mean, I've lived through trauma since I was 17. And once I really stepped back and took a look at it from that 30,000 foot view, I realized even my traumas at 17, that's what got me through was my ability to forgive. Uh Uh-huh. So, Sarah, tell us a little bit about your story. You said 
your trauma started at age 17. So take us through that so that we can then understand what made you write the book and create the documentary. Yeah. Uh, So when I was 17 years old, um, I grew up in a very small town in Wisconsin, a a small village, and like 1,100 people. And when I was 17, I was raped by somebody that I knew. Um, I ended up getting pregnant as a result of the rape. And I tried to press charges on him, and they would not, the police refused to press charges. Um, I found out that he tried to do it again on somebody else. Through all of that, I actually chose, um, even at 17 years old, to keep my son, to have my son, but then also to keep him. There was a lot of betrayal trauma that had happened during that time in my life, Um, not only you know, through the experience that I went through, but also through the police, the betrayal of, of, the, of society, the betrayal of my community, those people that didn't believe me, um, even the social services, the betrayal of social services. They tried adopting my child out without me even knowing. Um, I had to fight for him the entire time and ultimately fight for myself. And, and for who I was during this time, my parents actually had given me the option when I was, when I found out I was pregnant, they said, you know, this, this is your choice in life because ultimately you're going to have to live with this big decision and we support you whatever, in whichever way you choose. And I knew when I, even when I was pregnant that I wanted, that this was something that I needed to do. I needed, I needed to keep my child and it was the best decision of my life. Um, one of the very, very best, and uh, it taught me a lot about using my voice and about believing in myself um, and about understanding that even when the deepest, darkest things happen to us, they don't define who we are. It's how we actually choose to view them, to see them, and to work through them. And I went to college, became a teacher. I married mm-hmm. my husband. Um, I met my husband, actually, when I was in college. And we got married. Um, I was young, uh, 21, and um, we were married for 17 years when I found out in 2013 that he had been betraying me with men for 14 of the 17 years of our marriage. And that discovery threw me right back, threw me just right back to where I was at 17 um, in many, many ways. What's most interesting is that the moment that he told me now it was a it was a five-day disclosure at home by the way so it was a that was a doozy I don't recommend that for anybody um but the moment that I found out the moment that I had discovery I looked at him and I said I want a divorce but I will forgive you someday and I don't think it was even my because I was 40 at the time I'm 47 uh now um I don't even think it was my 40-year-old self that said that. I think it was that 17-year-old girl that had lived through so much that was coming through and actually, you know, subconsciously protecting me and saying, we're going to get through this because we've been here before. And it was, a, it was a time in my life where I really did a lot of reflecting on my past. I did a lot of work on this. This has been a lot of work over seven years. Um, reflecting on my past and then also choosing the life that I ultimately want and how I choose to live it today. And it was, it was, it was a time when, you know, he didn't, I didn't know any of this was going on, by the way, I had no idea 
and he, there were drugs involved, there was sex addiction, there was alcoholism, there were people that knew, there were friends that knew. I mean, it was deep and really dark. I felt very, very sorry for, for this man that was, you know, at one time he was the love of my life and my very, very best friend. And um, to, for, to know that he had held a secret like that for so long and chose a life like that was um, bewildering to me. And, uh, and I, and I, we're, we're actually, we're friends today. Like we, we get along and things are very different today than they were seven years ago when I found out. Um, but going through all of this, all of this brought me to a TED talk stage and writing a book and working on documentaries so other people don't feel alone. Like I felt, you know, Thanksgiving Eve, 2013, because I know what it feels like to feel alone. I know what it feels like. And nobody should have to feel that way. So that's, that's what brought all of this full circle. I knew at 17 that I was going to write a book. I had a, I had a, I had a moment of feeling back then, you know, like a God-given hit that, that this was going to be a story someday that others will, would hear and that it would give them hope. And um, I never understood why all my life that story never came out. And it wasn't until my, you know, everything that happened at 40 that I realized, oh, it didn't come out yet because my story hadn't been fully written. And now it is. Mm-hmm. So that's why. I just want to remind people that I am talking with Sarah Schulting-Kranz. And, you know, you have achieved so much in your life, and you've really used nature to find that forgiveness. Now, you've been doing excursions for how long? About four years, I've been, you know, I was doing them personally before that. But about four years ago, <clears throat> I decided that um, I wanted to <laughs> share the space, I guess you could say. I, I did a lot of my healing out in nature on the Pacific Ocean and also in the Grand Canyon. And so when I decided that I was going to go into coaching and to help others through their traumas in life um, and to heal, I decided that my platform or the foundation of it was going to be in nature because that's what it was for me. And it works. Like, nobody's doing it, right? And people do it, but it's not, it's just, this is a different kind of, we meditate, we do breath work, we do deep coaching, adventure, hiking. We play a lot because we seem to lose that child within us that plays. And experiential, uh, experiential therapy or experiential learning is so important in our healing. And, um, and, you know, just experiencing life in a different kind of way is, important and so we do all of that in the canyon and it's all of the stuff that that I use in my own healing journey so I've been doing these for about four years um we also do coaching before and afterwards as well so we do a lot of deep coaching uh throughout this it's a three-month journey with a with a five or six day retreat and it's it's just so much fun like that's on top of it like I don't do anything unless it's fun and it's just so much fun well, and that's what I admire about you. You're right. That energy you have is because you participate in things that are hard, but they're fun. And mm-hmm. I would have to imagine as you're taking people out on their journeys that you relive the journey you went through as well as get to be introspective about the journey you're currently on. And so yeah. tell people a little bit, how do you think the nature um, helps them to kind of work through that trauma. 
So it's proven that spending just five minutes a day in nature will begin to um, shift your thoughts. And uh, there is a whole thing within nature where the, um, the frontal lobe of our brain, which is called the executive brain, executive lobe, executive lobe, that's, you know, we're, we are always in task mastering space and we're always in this uh, space of trying to figure things out or, or, you know, cross the things off the list. The, um, the rumination, right. Of like things in life. And when I was out in nature, I noticed that I was having clarity moments. None of my aha moments happened when I was in four walls within my recovery. Everything happened when I was outside. My realization to divorce my husband, my realization to start my business, my realization of forgiveness, that I was ready to forgive. I mean, all of those big aha clarity moments that were shape-shifting and led me to here today, did, none of them happened when I was, when I was you know, in the, in the buildings. It all happened when I was inside in nature in some space. And what I found is that the reason why is because our brain, the frontal lobe of our brain, it actually takes a rest. And the back part of our brain, which is where clarity is found, that's the cerebellum, it's like that's what rises forward. And that's where we have our awe, which, by the way, awe is one of the most important feelings that we can have to lessen PTSD symptoms. That's where we have awe and wonder. And you don't get awe and wonder inside like you do if you're, you know, hiking the Grand Canyon or you're looking up at the clouds and seeing the shapes in the sky or you're meditating under the stars or, you know, that is where we actually allow ourselves to be most present with who we are and to connect with something so much larger than any of us can imagine, which is what I call the real world, right? Like we're not, the created world is the world that humans did. Like the real world is out in nature and that's where we actually find ourselves again. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Now, if you had to identify what made you decide to forgive, because I truly believe that more often than not is a choice, a conscious choice. What made you decide, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to work on this process. I was standing on a rock in Sequoia National Park, <clears throat> and I looked out to this big valley below and I realized this world is so much larger than my traumas and it is so much larger than the pain that I had been holding and it's so much more beautiful and and I am worthy of that like I'm worthy just like all of us are all of us that are living in these traumas right now we are so worthy of freedom and peace and loving our life and creating a world that that we choose, that we, how we actually want to be in this world, not just how we are going to, going to be doing in this world, but how we want to be in this world. And I, when I was standing on that rock, I had this, I don't know, spiritual enlightenment moment, I guess you could say, this connection with something so much bigger than me. And I remember looking out and thinking, it's time I let this go. It's time I let the pain, the sadness, the trauma, the toxic emotions that were literally riddling my body because they truly were, um, it was time for me to let those go and to allow myself to step into my own space of love, self-love, self-worthiness. Everything begins with self, right? And so when I was standing there, I remember thinking to myself, 
I'm getting a divorce. I'm actually stepping into this. And I w- I'm, I'm ready to forgive him. This is my space of forgiveness so that I can step into the space of completely living a life that I am worthy of and that I want and how I want to be living in this world. Um, and I'll tell you, it was the most freeing moment of my own recovery. It was Labor Day weekend of 2014. It was the most freeing moment that I'd ever had in my recovery. Well, there is no doubt that forgiveness is all about liberation. And, you know, at Absets, we say you don't have to forgive the betrayer. You don't. That is a choice you get to make. And I, I believe that when we tell people that, it takes them off the hook. They don't feel pressured to do anything. And then you and I both know that as somebody does their work, they eventually end up deciding, again, it being a choice, that they want to forgive. They no longer want to hold off, hold on to that baggage and hold off all the good things that can happen to them. So that's when super good things started happening to you, was it not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and when I wrote the book, it's interesting because, you know, one of the other things that I, there were three words, and please, listeners, use my words because I tell everybody, I'm like, I tell my clients, I tell everybody, use my words. Um, There were three words that helped get me through my journey, and it was, they came to me when I was on the Pacific Ocean, when I was paddling, and the first one was truth. Always speak your truth. Your truth is your truth. That's your voice. Inspiration. Find, lead an inspiring day every day. Find it in the moments, wherever you are, and hope. And I know a lot of people look at that word hope, and they're like, ugh. But I look at hope as self-hope right? Like going internally and saying, I have hope for me and I have hope for my own story and I have hope for my own future and my present. But here's the thing that's most interesting, Carol, is that when I was writing this book, I used the words truth, inspiration, and hope throughout the entire book. I've used it for my last seven years of my recovery. And then when I wrote the book, I always kindness, self-compassion. And so when we got to the forgiveness part, which is step seven in my book, I actually started with forgiveness for self because there are so many times in our life where we are so hard on ourselves and we hold so much shame and so much guilt and so much, you know, responsibility that's not even ours to hold. Right. And we, we tend to be so difficult on ourselves that we learn, we, we, we don't see the lessons that are there right in front of us that can ultimately guide us to this next space in life. And so when I wrote about forgiveness, I actually wrote, there's, there's three parts, forgiveness for self, right? Self-forgiveness is first. Then you can move into forgiveness for others. And then you can move into forgiveness for the world because our world needs more forgiveness right now as well. <laughs> A lot of forgiveness. Um, even forgiveness. Okay. For so now go over that one more time. Go over those types of forgiveness. So I start with self-forgiveness always uh-huh. because everything starts with self right? You, giving to mm-hmm. others before you can first really deeply get to that space of forgiveness for self, loving of self, worthiness of self, compassion for self, right? Allowing ourselves to feel that internal peace so that we can get then step into, I now can forgive another human being. And so step two is actually forgiveness for others. And then step three is forgiveness for the world. Okay, so like, let's just step into this. Even, even, even getting to that place of, I mean, the porn industry, we could have so much hate for the porn industry, right? 
And I don't have to agree with it. I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying that it's right. I do have to get to the place of ultimate forgiveness, right, for all of the people that are actually contributing to a cause that then contributed to my own husband's behavior. And it's big. That's big. Well, absolutely. So then you see the porn industry as being a catalyst for compulsive problematic sexual behavior. There, there are so many problems that we have with technology, with society, with all of it. I mean, I look at the, the gay websites that my husband was on, and I just, I just shudder. You know, and I think, okay, where is the where is the core? Where is the piece to this? The porn, the porn websites that he was on. I mean, like all of it. I saw it all, and I had to get to that place of ultimate relief and ultimate um, forgiveness for society and the way that we choose to run certain things in this world that ultimately affected my life to a degree that I never imagined it would. Well, and I actually agree, too, as a matter of fact. You know, I sincerely believe that computers um, were developed uh, for the porn industry. And, you know, just as in there are different gateway drugs for substance abuse, pornography Mm -hmm. is a gateway Mm -hmm. drug for acting out. And who knows what would have really happened to your husband, but... There was lots to forgive. It wasn't just your husband's choices. It was how he got misled. It was how people exploit each other. It was a variety of things. And so tell me a little bit about how you decided to write the book and what that was like for you. Mm. Well, so I decided to write the book for a multitude of reasons. And the book itself is, it's part memoir. It's part um, science, quite frankly, because there's, there's a hole in the preface that goes really into the science of nature and the science of um, trauma and just all of the things. And then it goes into seven steps to forgiveness. And I decided to write the book in this way because I, I literally broke it down into what got me to where I am today. And I tried to keep it simple um, yet succinct and easy to read. And then I also do a lot of meditating in nature. And so I put meditations in the book that guide you. Some are guided meditations um, that guide you through your own uh, internal journey to self. Um, And I decided to write the book truly because this world needs more of this. You know, we are so, I, I, we are so infiltrated with so many negative things in this world and in society and forgiveness in itself always takes you back to love. That's the foundation of it. And I believe in feeding the light. (laughs) Truly. I believe that Uh we can put more light out into the world. That is actually what, um, that's what will infuse the world. Right. And will um, allow us to step into more love in this world, which is what we need and forgiveness. Um, so that's actually why I wrote the book, and uh, and I wrote it during COVID. I wrote it start. I started in December of 2019, and I ended it um, in June of 2020. It just released November 10th, um, 
And it was a really interesting time for me to write a book because I was sitting in four walls, which is not something that right, I right. doing, right? <laughs> and, and I had my kids here at uh, we're quarantined, and I'm, I've got three boys, 29, 19, and 14, um, you know, and um, my niece was here because she needed someplace to quarantine. And I, so I'm literally like surrounded by young adults or adults and I'm writing a book about forgiveness. And so the other reason coming full circle, why I wrote it is because I wrote it for the next generation and I wrote it for my kids and my kids' friends and those friends of their friends and those families of those friends so that we can keep this ripple effect of positivity going. Well, I want to stay on this topic of forgiveness for sure, but can I divert for one second and ask you, when when you find out that your husband's gay and you kind of go through that process and, and it becomes apparent that you're probably not going to stay with him, how did you tell the kids and or how did you address the issues with the kids or not? Because, you know, that's such a personal choice for every single person. I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I think Uh it's such an important thing. Um, So thank you for that. So, you know, it's interesting. Um, I've done many podcasts and sometimes people get on me for um, they respond with some negative whatever jargon about how you could out your husband and uh, how that must be for the children and, I will tell you that the reason that I do all of this is for my kids. Um, We sat down with them. I I knew immediately as a mom, I'm a big mama bear. And immediately when all of this happened, that's all that I thought about with my children. And all I thought about with my children was this is going to be an opportunity for them to learn more deeply about who they are and to learn how to navigate this world in a way that will only help them when their difficulties happen in life because they're going to happen. And so I sat down with them, um, with my husband, uh, my former husband, and I told David, I said, you are going to have to be the person that's going to share your truth because I'm not sharing it for you. And you can choose how you want to do it. um, And I will be here supporting you. And I also need to be able to speak my voice through this. So that's exactly how we did it. I didn't, I didn't, have to tell the kids about him because I, I guided him through this. I mean, my husband was in a lot of his own deep pain, so I was also guiding him through this, right? Um, he had gone to, um, he had gone to a uh, rehabilitation center, um, rehab center um, for, you know, for over 30 days and he had to get himself sober. And so, you know, my kids took it beautifully And what I told my husband at the time, too, was we always have to remember to put the kids first, and we always have to do it with love and support of where they're at. And so that's what we did. And they just, they did a beautiful job of handling it. Um, You know, I made sure that they had all of the support that they needed moving forward. I was constantly checking on my children. And the interesting thing about it is that even today, you know, me being so vocal with everything, um, people have asked me, why don't I see more of your kids or why don't I, you know, whatever. And I keep telling them, you know, my kid's story is my kid's story in all of this. I'm not telling my children's story. 
if my children ever choose to come out and tell their story, that's for them to do. That's not my voice. Um, I support and I, what they've had to live through as kids and they're doing a phenomenal job in their life today. They're healthy. They're happy. My oldest is amazing. And I won't say too much more than that because I literally like, this is their life. I will say that my middle, um, is playing water polo at USC now and he's just, he loves it. And my youngest is playing basketball and he loves it. And the thing is, is that I always want them to be leaders in their own right. And I wanted to mentor them in a way that allowed them to do that. And so we, I've never been dishonest with them ever. And I talk about that in the book. They've asked me many questions, including like, is dad going to die? And I've always said, I will never lie to you. And we will do everything to make sure that he doesn't. This is when he was in, in, you know, in his, in the really early stages of recovery when they would ask me that. And I've never lied to them about any of it. I think honesty and truth is the way to go. Well, I do too. And that takes you then to, to your real feelings. And when you get to your real feelings, then you can make the decisions about forgiveness and Mm -hmm. letting go and surrendering and, that process that you talk about in the book. Now, I want to ask you, just for the sake of our listening audience, define forgiveness from your point of view. So can I tell you really quick what the definition of forgiveness is in the dictionary, which just made me like cringe and why I want to change it? Absolutely. Yeah, it this just made me cringe when I was like, oh, my gosh, no wonder we have such a hard time. Words matter, everyone. Words matter. And so um, Merriam-Webster defines forgive as to cease to feel resentment against an offender, pardon, forgive one's enemies, to grant forgiveness, had to learn to forgive and forget. And the thing with me and forgiveness, that forget word, is like, wait, what? Um the way that I define forgiveness, it's about you're not pardoning, you're not forgetting, you're not any of that. You're literally honoring your experiences. And you're also making a choice to no longer hold on to the pain that was handed to you. You're returning it always with love. I do everything with love, everything with love in this world. Um, But I define forgive as to acknowledge an offense and the consequences of that offense as truth, to choose to let go of negative feelings, and to cease to harbor animosity toward the offender. That ultimately allows you to, to truly step into freedom and peace and that space of, space of just joy. I don't know what else to say. It's absolute joy. It's joy being over there. Well, again, we're talking about liberation. You know, yeah. making the choice to determine how something is going to affect you once you really stay true to the fact of how it did feel and how it did mm-hmm. seem to affect you. I mean, what I love is that our feelings are not stagnant. We can have right. anger, sadness, rage, betrayal, hurt, and then decide that we're no longer going to be defined by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's also why I call this a practice and not a, I forgive you, but a, I continue to forgive you. Um, because 
you know, I think for so many people, they think, okay, if I forgive this person, that means I can't ever feel angry towards them again, or I can't ever feel sadness towards them again, or whatever it is. That's not the case. I get triggered by my ex-husband a lot, by the way. And I make a choice every single day, every single day. I mean, there was a lot that he did. Uh, those actions, you know, created so much in my life. And um, so every single day I make a point to wake up and practice forgiveness. It's not a one and done. It's every day. And I fall off. I, let, let me tell you, there are moments where I'm like, ooh, that's not very, that's not very forgiveness-like. Um, but it's about reminding yourself to come back to that space that's always there for you. You're always invited to it and to continue practicing the space of forgiveness. And, you know, so many people wait for an amends or an apology or a restitution before they're going to forgive. And I know you have a certain feeling about that. Now, do you believe that somebody has to offer you an apology to forgive? No, no. You know, there were many people in my situation that did things that are not sorry for what they did. And it's not, the thing about forgiveness is that it's not about them, it's about you. It always starts with self. And that's not selfish, that's selfless. Because when you can get to that place of freedom, then you are ultimately living in a space that only helps others as well, right? That's not selfish. Um, Nobody has to say I'm sorry before you say I forgive you. No, I agree with you 100%. And I'm going to ask you, you know, so many people that have been betrayed in sexual addiction, they say to me, I wish he were dead. I wish he were dead. It'd be easier to deal with him if he were dead. And the truth of the matter is, especially since COVID, some of my clients' partners have died. And they're mm-hmm. grieving twice as hard. Now, do you think you can forgive somebody who has passed on? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. You know, I've never, or that just, they're simply not there, right? Like um, the guy who wrote me when I was 17, I've forgiven him, but I've never, I haven't done it face to face because I don't know where he is and, and it's okay. I don't need to. Um, how I do it, and there's actually the very last meditation in the book, it leads you through that. It leads you through a forgiveness for self and then forgiveness for others and forgiveness for the world. And in the forgiveness for others, you imagine the person in front of you and you go through this whole process of forgiving them for their wrongs, for what they've done. Um, you can write a letter and burn it. You can, um, you know, put your hand over your heart and simply you know, uh, imagine their presence in front of you and forgive them that way and just talk and just say, I forgive you. They don't have to be here. And ultimately, like I said, it always goes back to the fact that you're doing it because forgiveness is for you. You know, it reminds me of, um, do you, have you ever heard of that psychiatrist who practiced Honoponopono? Yes. Yes, yes. So other people have brought this up with me. That's so funny. Yes. Uh-huh. I never knew until well, other people started bringing this up with me. And then I looked into it. I was like, oh, look at that. <laughs> yes. Well, and this is the power of energy. And, you know, you're a Absolutely. coach. I'm a coach. And 
This may sound far-fetched to some of our listening audience, but the truth of the matter is uh, there was a psychiatrist who was, he was in a position at a correctional facility for murderers and people that had committed horrendous crimes, and nobody would stay and be of service. They couldn't keep psychiatrists. They couldn't keep mental health workers. They couldn't keep nurses. It was just a very dark and horrible place to work. And he came to the facility. I'm telling this more for the listening audience than for you. He came to the facility, and he refused to see patients. But he would read over their charts, and he would say four things. He would say, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that you had terrible abuse. I'm sorry that your parents didn't love you. I mean, he literally read over these charts, and and he had the history. So he'd say, I'm sorry, and then he would say, please forgive me. And he would say, please forgive me, meaning please forgive me for the acts that human nature have done to you, and please forgive me that I represent a group of people that didn't know how to keep you safe and protect you and blah, 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 blah. And then he would say, I'm sorry. And he would say, I'm just so sorry that you went through so many horrendous ordeals. Mm -hmm. And then he would say, I love you. And so when he said those four things over and over and over and over, um, as he looked at their charts, within a period of six months, the um, inmates, started connecting with each other and started showing feelings they had never shown and agreed to participate in a lot of the activities that they said, I want nothing to do with. And literally, it was the energy of his words and his kindness and and his own energy that changed that. And I believe, Sarah, I really do, that when you made the choice to forgive, you did do it for yourself. But the ripple effect is that it sent that energy to anything that needed to be forgiven, to the people that you forgave, um, and that you changed the world a a little bit in addition to changing yourself. Yeah, a thousand percent. That's love. Very powerful. That's Mm -hmm. love. And that's, that's, you know, nothing can take out love. Nothing. There is not one thing in this world. I, I truly believe that. And I've lived through a lot in my life and I'm, I'm, I'm only 47, like, come on, but I've lived through a lot of my life and I've seen some really big darkness. And to all of you out there, what I can tell you is the light is so amazing and there is nothing like it. And you, and we all have the power for it. We all do. I don't care, you know, who you are. That light is within you. I truly believe that. I do, too. Now, let me remind my listening audience that I'm talking with Sarah Schulting-Krauss. And you have written this book. It's called Walk Through This and Travel the Road to Forgiveness. And in this book, you give exercises and opportunities for people to really get in touch with their feelings, their anguish, their pain, and their forgiveness. And I want to, want to tell them that they can get a hold of you by going to your website, which is your name, Sarah yep, Schultz. Sarah Schultz. Com. 
Yep. Yep. And and so yeah. let me just say that that is Sarah without an H, and then Schulting, which is S C H U L T I N G K R A N Z. And Sarah, you are an inspiration. Um, I really do believe that people need to learn how to forgive, and this is an amazing book to help Thank them you. to do that. And and tell us when your documentary will be out. Well, you know, I can't exactly tell you that yet, but there's a lot of cool stuff happening with it. And um, if you go into my website, well, the, the website of the documentary, it's walkthroughthis.com. And you can see uh-huh. some uh, snippets of um, the film, including when we filmed in the Grand Canyon over Thanksgiving of 2019, actually. Um, we're hoping for it to be released within the next year. There's a lot of, there's a lot happening with this film. So you never know. I mean, you know how things unfold. It'll be, it'll be great. Regardless of where it lands, it'll be great. So, but yeah, go in and check well, it out because there's some amazing snippets already done. Okay, so check it out. Check out her web uh, by her own name, Sarah Schultz and dot com, and then look at her book, get her book, walk through this and travel the road to forgiveness, and um, go to her TED talk, and they can get yeah. to your TED talk by looking up forgiveness. Yeah, you can find my. So the, the name of the book is actually "Walk Through This: Harness the Healing Power of Nature and Travel the Road to Forgiveness." So there's a lot of nature stuff in there, too, which people will love. Um, but my TED Talk, you can find on my website, or you can find it just by searching my name and forgiveness um, through YouTube and through the TED Talk site. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on tonight. I wish you continued success. You know, I just know that there are great things ahead of you, and you've already accomplished a lot of them. And so many more, so many more heads. So I wish Thank you the you. best and keep us posted. We want to know oh, about I will. your further projects. Okay. I All absolutely right. Make it a good will. one. Absolutely will. Thank you so much, honey. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay, thanks. I just love her. You know, I had had put it out there and said, hey, I had a cancellation. And, and she goes, hey, hon, I could do it. And that's who she is. She is exactly who you see. She's a beautiful woman. I encourage you to go to her website. Again, that's com. And as I say, at the end of every show, there will only be one of you at all times. Fearlessly have the courage to be yourself. And hey, look for the book to come out on the 28th, Unleashing Your Power, Moving Beyond Sexual Betrayal. We'll talk next week.